the things that God created that were good and that were not affected by sin. Marriage is one of the ones that came out of there still the way that God had designed it, one man and one woman. And what I mean by that isn't what he said, because you look at man and he, he gives men curses, right? So that was a big challenge in men's life. The animals are now affected because of sin. The whole earth is affected because of sin. And it's no longer good in how it's been created because of everything that's happened because of that. But you see, marriage is still there. Now you can argue and say, well, look what marriage is destroyed now. But that's men. I look at that men and women. They're not acting up to what God has called them to. And so I find that marriage, the true marriage, what God's called us to, this marriage is under attack because it is that pure thing that still is there. And it's one of the biggest witnesses that we have for the world. It's one of the biggest ones. How many people, when they've seen your marriage or they see how you interact with your spouse, right away they want to know, what's up with you? <laughs> what is the difference? How, how do you guys still love each other after 20 years? I mean, me and my spouse, we hate each other. You know, I'm sure you've heard that. And it's such an awesome witness when you get to show this family that is after God and, and chasing after Him, it's completely contrary to what the world's saying because it's saying chase after what you need and, and what you're going to get out of the situation. And so as we go through this, what he's going to do is he's going to give us a great example of what it is to have Jesus in our home. And uh, we've been given the tools and the power, and so here's what he asks us to be like. And so looking at those tools and that power, look back at verse 18 of chapter 5. It says, and do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And right there, that filled with the Spirit, it's not just talking about, you know, we talk about it being filled up like as a cup or being overflowed. But one of the things I thought this was really interesting, one of the commentaries I was checking out, they associated and they looked at other scriptures that said that the men were filled with wrath or that they were filled with evil. And what it was Applying that to there was that it was, it was what drove them. Being filled is what drove them. That's what controlled them. So wrath controlled them. Evil controlled them. And then we look at this. Don't be drunk with wine because wine controls. Being drunk with wine controls the person. And it refers back to in the context of instead, be in the Spirit, be filled. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Be absolutely 100% controlled by the Holy Spirit. And we know that's where that power comes from. And he starts out with that before he goes into marriage. And it's a good thing he does that because otherwise we'd be so frustrated out of our mind and say, this is impossible. I can't deal with that other person like you're asking me to. And we have to retreat back to the Holy Spirit. And then further in the context in verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And it sets up this whole thing on here is what it is. Here's this relationship that we have with each other. And we talked about that submission and looking over at, uh, we went over to uh, Philippians 2, 3, and it says, esteem others better than ourselves. So there is this aspect that in the marriage, we esteem each other better than ourselves, right? And we'll see that on both sides. We'll see that as wives submitting to their husbands and husbands loving their wives. But I want to be very careful as we go through this that it's not confusion because I've had this told to me. And this girl was so adamant to say that they were completely equal in their marriage and she was just as much the head as he was. And it was because of that verse 21 that says the submitting to each other. Because I was trying to show her that look through the scriptures, it's very clear in how the Lord set up this marriage and how it is supposed to be. And she was really going off and trying to push the fact of women teaching. That's how we got on the topic. And 
with the whole submitting part of it, it was like, you're missing the point. When it talks about that submitting to one another, it's really talking about esteem each other higher than yourself, putting each other first because of the whole context, you know, giving thanks always for all things, being singing songs to each other, being joyful, being excited to be together. And then when it goes in, wives submit to your own husbands, it's a different deal. And you can look at all the other scriptures. And the reason I say that is because if you go and look, search out the other scriptures, you can go to Colossians and you can go to First Peter. That's the other two books that talk about this. And it doesn't have anything there of, hey, everybody submit to each other and then wives submit to their husbands. So when we start this out in verses 22 through 24, it's going to hit on the wives first. Which, I mean, there's lots of jokes out there and why you got to go to the wives first or whatever. I'm trying not to play those tonight. <laughs> but on those first three verses, because then you guys know that after that, it's like a ton of verses for men. You know, guys can joke about the three verses women get, but then it's like, step up to the plate, guys. We have a whole lot more because we have a, you know, I, got, I don't know, we're dumber or something. <laughs> Verse 22 and, uh, to 24, let's go ahead and read those. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. These verses the world hates, straight up. They hate, they hate these verses, and they love to come after, especially feminism as it's, as it's growing throughout the years, and, and everything that's been poured into it, it's, it's saying in these verses, the world interprets it as you're taking all the rights from the women. It, no longer are they any person within the marriage, they're now the slave, they're there to do the will of the husband and whatever he wants for them to do. And it's, it's such a, it's, un, it's Satan. It's just straight up Satan because that's not what it's talking about here. It's actually a very beautiful thing. And, you know, some of the wives are like, no, it's not beautiful. <laughs> I don't see that there. Um, with that first verse, wives submit to your own husbands, and then it says what? It gives the motivation there, doesn't it? As to the Lord. I'm glad he put that there, and he puts that there in each one of the things. If you guys look clear down into the, the slaves, that submit as to the Lord, for the men love as Christ, right? These are the motivations. And then the children, it says obey in the Lord. And then the masters and slaves obey as to Christ. Each one of those has its place and where to put that focus there. Because the, the truth of it is, is that man will fail. Us men will fail. And so to look at the person and say, well, if you've jumped over these certain hurdles, there, then I will submit it to you. Then I'll feel okay in, in, in letting you, know, you make some decisions that aren't very important and that don't deal with me. But here you go. I'll let you deal with these. But the whole concept of it is as to the Lord. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And then in verse 23, For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. And it pretty much lays it out just straightforward, that the husband is the head in the family, that that's how God has designed it. And it's unfortunate that people read into this and say, well, head means dictator. Head means ruling over with extreme authority, and, and what I say goes in this household. And, and we know that living in that kind of situation, it doesn't, that's not what Christ is. Because we don't see that happening in the church. We see what he's happening in the church as Christ being the head. How does he deal with us? I mean, he's so kind to us, isn't he? We mess up so many times, and, and he still is just there just to love us. 
and having that whole situation and, and giving that example of, of what it looks like because if Christ is the head of the church, well, he's made men or man the head in the, in the, in the marriage relationship. When you look back on the scriptures and, and it talks about and it says that in Genesis that the wife is the helpmeet. Remember it talks about the woman being the helpmeet for the man? Going back, and I, I sat down with Shelly, I wanted to make sure because, you know, there's so many things here that I don't know as a man. I don't. You know, it, it's, it's hard to understand. So I sat down with her before we started going into this, and I just wanted to make sure and see, you know, how's the Lord touched her life through these verses and other verses. And so as we went through it and talked about it, it really went back to that help me. And I think that's such a great word and what God uses there. It's not help mate. And I tried to look it up online, and every one of them wanted to refer back to help mate instead of help meet. And then as we researched and went over those, those words and what it was talking about, a lot of them just want to say helper and leave it as a helper. But then you start looking at it, and you go into this word deeper into the Hebrew, and it's got so many different definitions to it. And it's so neat that what ends up happening, and I wish I would have wrote down this quote because there was a guy that had a commentary on this, and all he did was one sentence for it, and it was so perfect. And what it just said was that it was, it was basically that the woman is the opposite of the man, and they fit together perfectly. And being that help meet, that perfect blending that needs to take place. You know, and they, they talked about the physical, that even in the physical you can see that, that it's the exa- exact opposite, it's the reverse. And spiritually that's how it is. And so when that man and woman comes together, it definitely is one flesh. Not just physically is it one flesh, but spiritually it becomes one flesh. And it was such a beautiful thing because it wasn't this, hey, come and partner up with me because I need some help. And sometimes we look at it as a helper. I have a duty to do, and I just need somebody to kind of help me out. So here's, here's the things I need you to do to make a success what I'm trying to do for God. And it's not talking about that. It's this blending that comes together that becomes this one flesh of, of just bringing alongside and perfectly paired. And now you have this awesome one flesh that's there. And you get to do what God's asked, and you just walk forward. And so there's no abuse that takes place there. There's a recognition. And what happens then is the wife steps into that role, and that help me, it becomes this, it's easy to submit. Because I submit because my husband's making me whole. And he has, you know, and it might not be one of those situations where it's perfect, (laughs) because that makes it a whole lot easier to blend, doesn't it? I can follow this man because he is making all the right decisions. And of course, I will definitely pair myself and, and understand what helped me and submit to him. And it's hard because that's not the man that you're going to be associated. That's not the one you're going to be connected with. And I want to be very careful that, that you guys don't look for all these connections in man. Man has been there and what you are is the help me for the man you're there, like the scriptures say, to submit to that man because of what God has designed it to work out perfectly. But you're not going to be fulfilled completely in that man because that's where Jesus Christ has to come in your life. Jesus Christ has to be the one that's going to be the perfect man you're looking at and being like, there it is. <laughs> but you also have this husband and you have this help me that's been designed that way. So as you go and you look at that and you see this perfect blending that comes together, this meat that has happened, this helper meat And then you see it, and it says that, you know, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. And therefore, because of that, therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives do their own husbands in everything. And so that next part being subject to. 
which that's such a, it can be taken as such a harsh word, to be subject to, as if I'm going to be there for every little thing for you, O oh Lord. <laughs> and that's, again, it's not talking about it. It's, it's, it's talking about where's that place for that man. And it gives that whole association with Jesus Christ in the church, putting him as the head because he was the Savior. And as you go back and you look at Genesis and you see what's happened there, and you even look at the curse of what happened with the woman, like if you look at the man, the curse is all about the physical and what he's going to have to do now. Because of he, he, he uh, didn't use God's creation in the way that it was meant to be used, right, by taking of the tree, now he's got to suffer, and that's his curse. Is the, the rest of this time on the earth, he's suffering because of creation. Creation has been turned against him now. And then talking about toiling and having to weed and, and deal with all the different things you have to have to work out each day, even in your own work, to get to be able to eat and to provide for your family. But if you look at the wife, what has happened is sorrows come upon her in a relationship problems have come upon her in those things. And it's because, and I loved how there's so many guys that, that referred to this and how the woman, what had happened is she stepped up as that role in the beginning. She stepped up in the role of the decision-making of this is what we're going to do. This is where we're going to go. And it's unfortunate. We know that sin comes back on Adam because that was what he was supposed to be doing. There was supposed to be a joined force there. And what needed to happen was there needed to be a joint there so that it could have this help me to understand that, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to get into that. Instead, she stepped forward and took of that fruit. And then she convinced her husband to go ahead and do it. And that whole position that she took over her husband and swaying her husband because of her emotions wrapped up in it, and because of the drive that was behind there, it ends up that the fall was started. And then Adam directly disobeyed what God's word was, and he partook as well. And so you see this whole interaction that happens, and then woman is cursed with the relationship side of it, with her husband, saying that you're going to desire him, and he's going to be Lord over you. And all of a sudden, this whole help me situation has been disturbed there because now this desire that was there it's this consequences of what had taken place and it's this structure that god had not designed it wasn't that perfect structure anymore and so unfortunately as you get to the place and it's not talking about i want to make sure this too because i'm not trying to blend the curse in with this what god's asking us to do here but because of that here's how god asks us to react and here's how he asks you wives to react you submit and he wants to give you the example. Just like us as the church guys, it's no problem, is it, to submit to Jesus Christ? I mean, well, is it? <laughs> when we actually think about who Jesus Christ is and we tie that in and it's like, why wouldn't I submit to him? And I know our flesh can take over and we'll forget. We'll kind of erase him out of the picture so we can go ahead and do what we want. But the thing is, it's such a neat relationship there and it should be the same with your husband. It should be, okay, because of that whole situation, what he's given me an example for, I need to submit to my husband as to the Lord. And that's the drive behind it. And now, as you go through the scriptures, there's, there's sometimes, and I've even heard this argument as, uh, from wives of saying, I'm sorry, I can't obey my husband because he doesn't follow God. I can't submit to him. And it's using an excuse that the only way I'm going to submit to my husband is if he can follow God. And that is a slippery slope because then you have to ask yourself, well, how closely does he have to follow God? Because then you could put every little thing in there. If you don't find him following God in this aspect, well, then therefore I don't have to submit to him. And it's like, where does that line stop? Where do you, where do you draw that line there of when you're going to finally start submitting to your husband? When he's completed 
how much of the law? <laughs> and it doesn't work that way. There's even a scripture there. It says, I think it's over in Colossians. I'm hoping it is. Colossians 3.18. No, that's the quick version of this. Oh, no, I didn't write it down. Let me check it out real quick here. I had so many scriptures I was trying to write down, and I think I skipped this one. Shame on me. Yep, that's another one. So, do you guys have it offhand real quick? <laughs> do you know which one? I mean, it's a great verse, and it's a very important one. I think, I can't remember if it's over in Peter, First Peter. Let me check there real quick. Uh, no, here it is. It's first, uh, Peter 3. First Peter chapter 3. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. And that's one of those ones that it's, that's why it's so important, that very first part, what he says over there in Ephesians, is that it's as to the Lord. Because you can find every excuse under the sun of why I'm not going to do it. And your flesh wants to find an excuse of why I'm not going to subject myself to what God's asked me to do. And so what it has to deal with is it has to be as to the Lord. And it's going to be the same thing for us men, the drive behind it. And so with the women, there's those three scriptures right there. It's really just helping and understanding that submissive. And I want to make this other point here. There's a lot of people that will rob this truth here, and they'll just put it with culture back then. And they'll say this is what culture was then. Culture is very different now. But I have it find it hard that Paul would write a letter to something that was already culturally okay. You know what I'm saying? Because everything, everything in the epistles, when he writes to them, it's because usually it's out of correction or it's encouragement to head this direction. If something's already in play, it's already culturally, even outside of the church, outside of Christ, it's already culturally, that's how you deal with it. Oh, why would he be writing it? And that's just a question. So I believe that he's writing something that the, Ephesian, the church in Ephesus really needed to take to heart and, and started needing to lead this life to show the world that, yes, this is what a Jesus home looks like. This is what it looks like then to invite the Father into the home. All right, now on with husbands. And you guys can go, and, and there are so many verses that you can start searching this, and I've heard, I wish I remembered whose name it was. He did such a great job of, of such a neat encouragement, going back to the fall of man and, and going up through it and just showing this whole role of wives with their husbands and then husbands with their wives. And I, I want to say it was Don McClure, but I'm not sure of that. Um, I'll try to find it for you guys, but it was excellent. It was really neat what he uh, had said and in the scriptures that he had there. So on to men, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself as a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh and his bones. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. 
Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she has, or she respects her husband. And so that whole list there, I mean, is the key word love, right? And I know for us men, and this is an easier one for me to speak because I know <laughs> where I've been, what, where we're going, and, and what I think usually as a man in, in my response to my wife. And that's one of those ones that seriously it is hard to love. And I'm talking about the love from 1 Corinthians 13. Like, let's go check that out real quick because there's some times that we'll kind of go by and say, well, of course I love my wife. I told her today, you know, or I built something for her. I show her my love through my hands. You know, or however it's going to be is, is well, I, she knows. <laughs> I don't need to say it. She knows. Look what it says here in, in, in verse uh, 4. And this is basically a definition of love in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Love suffers long. How many of you guys have your wives help you with a project? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and is kind. <laughs> You know, just think projects here with the wife. I mean, I fail on every one of these with that. Love suffers long, and it is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. <laughs> Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Like that's focusing on what really is happening, the truth, not what you think is happening bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. If somebody has a marriage that is failing or something that's failing within the marriage, you probably can go back to this list and there's some things missing. It says love never fails. That's a promise. I mean, can we take that? Love never fails. So if love is involved, it doesn't fail. So that's the definition of love, guys. Super easy. So husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So not only using this word that we see in 1 Corinthians 13, but then all of a sudden he brings in Jesus to this picture. He says, guys, do it like Jesus does it. <laughs> and now you bring in this absolute sacrificial love. Because that's what it's talking about right there. It talks about him and what he did for the church that he gave himself for her. And there's a lot of us in the room, I know, that we'd be like, you know what, I'd die for my wife for sure. I mean, you bet. Somebody comes try to do anything or whatever, I'm there. I'm going to protect my wife. And we take pride in that. A lot of times we don't protect them from our own self and <laughs> how we react and how we deal with them and the love that's lacking or, or the patience that's lacking or whatever word you want to put in there <coughs> that's lacking. But it associates it with Christ and it says that he gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. And that word right there, that he may sanctify her. You guys know that's setting apart. To set her apart for who? Jesus Christ set the church aside for who? Himself, right? And when it gives that picture, and this is something I hadn't seen before, but when it gives that picture, it's such a romantic idea. It really is. Because it's asking us as men to set aside our wife unto ourselves, to really just treasure, to love, to hold, to keep close, to protect the wife, setting her apart, sanctifying her. <coughs> and then it goes on, Shelly, uh, I was going to ask for some water. But 
Look at she's a great wife. She's gonna get some. Thank you. <coughs> Sorry, guys. So sanctifying and just that setting apart, that was something I never seen because I always just associate that with Christ. Like that doesn't apply to us. We look at that and say, Yeah, he set the church aside, us. Great. We know that. It's an awesome truth. But then to look at it as husbands and him giving that example, and then the next part is he's showing us, he's given us because we're guys. And a lot of times we're like, well, how do you do that? Like, how do I set my wife aside or apart or sanctify her? And then right there, what does it say? In the washing of the word, right? This is one of the biggest ones. That's one of the ones that I hate going through this because this is something I struggle so hard on, is taking my wife through the word. It's, it's, I don't know why. It's such something that my flesh does not want to do. But it's so important in those times where we've done it and just been consistent on it. It's been so great. It's been so neat there. And it could be just a couple of verses or however. I know there's a lot of guys who are like, there's no way I'm going to sit down with my wife because we always end up fighting about what the verse says or about the translation of the verse. That's when you say, submit, woman, you're not allowed to talk right now. We're going to get, no. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Don't give excuses. It's a very important thing to do because here's the word of God saying that this is how you sanctify. This is what he does with his church. And if we're going to follow him as examples, we can't let that come in. If, there, if there's fighting that's going on because of the scriptures, well, then there's something else that needs to be dealt with, right? And there is. It's not those that we need to go through college with the other person and, and really lay it out for them and give them our wisdom because we've been enlightened. It's, it's walking through it as if we're in the garden with him. God, I want to just learn more about you. I want to know your truth. I want to know you as my father more, and I want my wife to be here with me so we can experience this together. It's not trying to find all those crazy issues and these questions. You know what? There's a lot of times where guys get frustrated because their wives have such great questions that they can't answer. And so it, it kind of takes it away, and it's, it's a serious thing. It does embarrass us because if we can't lead in that way, it's like I don't even want to go do it because it's showing some fault in my life, and I'm letting my wife down. And you guys have to know, I mean, even for my own wife, that's not the case. That's not what the wife is thinking. She's not thinking you're a failure because you can't give me this answer. That's like the least of it. It's just she wants to learn with you. She wants to be there with you. She wants to be that help me, that just combination that's there. And so it's a neat thing. Don't let the enemy rob you or even your own flesh saying that you're less because you're not being able to give answers or whatever the excuse is, guys. It's an important thing for us to be walking our wives through the word. <laughs> it's hard. So husbands... On, on verse 27, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. I like that because it's talking about two different aspects there. You look at spot. Spot usually comes from the outside, doesn't it? It's protecting the church. He protects us from the outside. We walk through his word. We get washed in his word to protect us from the world, Right? And then the wrinkles are what happens on the inside. It's that deterioration that happens on the inside. Some of you are like, don't talk about that. We're not going to talk about wrinkles. It is. It's a deterioration that happens within. And so God always protecting us too within the church and being careful. Really, the church shouldn't have any wrinkles, right? I mean, if it was good, you know, set up, but it's the church. It's full of people. So it will have wrinkles. But then applying that back to our wives and being very careful that it's another thing that we watch with our wives. Be careful that your wives protect them from getting those spots from the world. And that could be stuff that they're hearing. That could be 
gossip that they're, they're falling into. And I know there's even been conflicts within this church between families because the husband is not stepping up between the wives and saying, you guys are not listening to truth. You're listening to what you either thought that person and their body language was telling you, which is not truth. And you need to stop where you're at and you need to just stop taking those spots on you. This is not right. And that protection that comes, that love for your wife to make sure that there's not going to be this conflict that's going to happen. And then the wrinkles that happen, being sure that we're comforting our wives from the inside too. And all of this goes back to the Word of God, doesn't it? Now, here's another big point. Do not lord the Word of God over your wife. Do not go back to it and say, well, here's what God wants to tell you. (laughs) Because we're missing out on love again, aren't we? We completely miss the whole deal of love. You know, remember that verse over in Colossians, it says, speak the words as if they're salt. They're a good taste to her. Bring them to her as, here's what God wants us to do. Here's how he wants us to follow him in this word. And I know there's so many women that just dig your heels in and are like, you're not going to tell me that. <laughs> I'm not going to listen to that. I know it's truth, but I don't want to hear it from you right now because you're a jerk. <laughs> and really just letting that down and remembering that, you know what? God asked me to submit as I'm submitting to him. And that's just one of those things that, I need to follow my husband through in, in, in what he's talking about in the Word. I know these are hard things to take, but this is how God has designed that marriage, and it's an awesome thing. And I know you guys have walked at times in your life and your marriage in this way, and it's awesome. And I know some of you are walking that way now, and it's so good. It is perfect. And so then it goes on and it talks about the husband. It says, So husband ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. And that nourishes, right? Nourishes is giving them the food that it needs. Not the McDonald's, like the good stuff. When I looked up nourish on the internet, I, it didn't even come up as a definition on Google. It just gave me a ton of organic sites. That's all the, like nourish, it's like all, all the organic companies are named nourish. And I was like, well, that's an interesting thing. You think nourish, you want the purest form of food so that growth and health can come from it. You're like, oh, that's cool because how that relates with me and how I'm supposed to deal with my wife is I'm nourishing her. I'm giving her that food, that rich food, that pure food so that she can grow, she can be healthy, she can be protected. And then that next part where it says nourished and cherished. And yeah, that cherished one, I definitely don't think Shelly's boasting about that one. And that cherished is just really just, let me find it here. <laughs> the protector, the care for lovingly. And I know she'd say, oh, I definitely protect, but the caring for lovingly, it's, it's I, don't, I don't know, whatever, we won't be about me. But <laughs> when you look at it and you see the cherish, and it's like, yeah, as men, we love to protect, we love to stand up, and we want to show how, how powerful we are and how we're not going to let anything happen to our family. And if anybody ever did this, I would, I'd kill them and their dog and whatever. <laughs> but we care for them lovingly, that's one of those hard ones because that actually takes time out of our schedule to care for them lovingly. That makes us stop in our progress that we can stop and we can care for them. And that's where it gets hard because that's our time, right? <laughs> we forget that the wife has been doing awesome things all day so that we'll come home and either tell her how beautiful she is because she's been dressing up all day, she's been shopping for the right clothes all day, she's been tidying up the house so that you'll come home and be like, oh, it's so good to come home to a clean house. She's gotten rid of all the strangers out of your house because you don't want to come home and see anybody but your family right? <laughs> I mean, the list goes on. 
<laughs> Strangers, stay away from my house when I get home at 5 o'clock. <laughs> I know some of you are like, what? You're crazy. But I know some of you guys are right there with me. You're like, yep. <laughs> I've had to see people all day and deal with them. I don't, especially family. No. All right, for this reason, we're getting a little off track here. 31. Or 30. For we all are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. That verse 31 right there is a really important one, especially for new married couples, because this is one of those things, and maybe it's not even new married, it's, it's having that family and being very protective of your family and careful with your wife, careful with what's coming in there. And there's been a lot of times where family members will come in set down the rule that maybe you've grown up with. And this usually happens with moms. Guys, your moms comes in to try to do something with your family that your wife is now the mom over. And you need to stand up. You need to stand up when that's being taken, when that, that threshold's being crossed. It's one of those things that it's, no, with respect, this is my family now. I have my own mom in this house. I don't need the mom things that you used to do. In respect, but... It's leaving and cleaving. It's completely joining yourself. It's becoming that one flesh and making sure that your family is what you're over now. That's the thing that you're concerned about. And I say that because there's so many people that let their parents come back in and they completely mistreat the guy's wife. And the guy doesn't ever stand up for it. And it can be vice versa too. The whole thing and the point of it is is that you guys are, are, are responsible for that family that God's brought you together as. Parents, grandparents, they're awesome. And they, they definitely have their place in the family. It's for sure. I mean, I would hate not to have them. I love when my parents are there. But there's just some times where you have to stand up to show your wife that you care for her, that it's about her now, that, that this is her family, and that you're her husband. And you're no longer that boy <laughs> that was under the mom. Enough of that. Verse 32, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ in the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife. And he recaps it, love your guys' own wives as yourselves. Care for her, nurture her, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. What a neat thing for us guys. If you guys see your husband really struggling, even at, having a hard time, just respect the guy. <laughs> you guys don't know how much that does for us guys when our wife completely respects us. And it's not kowtowing before us or bowing down and like, oh, good Lord of the house. You're not going there. It's out of respect. Like your decisions that you make, I respect them. I know you're trying to drive this family towards Jesus, and I respect what you're doing. You're just like, somebody in this world respects me. It's about time. No. <laughs> it is such a comfort, and it's a joy because it's like this. You're giving her love what she desires. She wants you to be her treasure. She wants to be cherished by you, wants to be nourished by you. And then on the vice versa, it's like, well, we want respect. We want our lives, wives to be proud of us. You know, to be excited about what we're doing for the family. And all of our hard work, we want them to see that. And it's so good when the wives express that in however way. And it's like, yeah, this is a good family right now. Thank you, Jesus. He's a part of it right now, and so we're excited about it. And so just as you go through that, that's what Jesus is in the house. And then you get on to the children. And we're going to go through this just real quick. In verse 1 of chapter 6, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, Ava. <laughs> she shrunk down her seat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Children, obey your parents in the Lord, 
for this is right. And it says in the Lord, right? It goes back to, here's your motivation. You obey your parents as in the Lord. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth because your dad will not kill you. That's why you're going to live long on earth, right? (laughs) But there's promise that's behind that. If you guys honor your parents, and this even goes for us that are outside of the home, we still honor our parents. I mean, there's even a verse in Proverbs that says, um, uh, just lost it. I think it's dishonor. Don't dishonor your mother when she's old. It's something along those lines. And you guys probably look it up. Any parent verses, it's in Proverbs. Sorry, I didn't write it down for you. But being careful and honoring those parents which God's given us. And then in verse 4, a hard one for fathers. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in training and admonition of the Lord. And that's one of those verses you're like, well, why would I want to provoke my child to wrath? There's some of us guys, I don't know who, but that like to just tease their children and get a rise out of them and just mess with them, you know, and you just keep stirring up the pot there. Well, what happens is, hey, okay, that's all right, that's fun, but don't drive them to wrath, no one to stop. You know, joking goes beyond another point. And not just that, it actually gets more serious in that watch how you're treating your children, because what it says is wrath here, and over in Colossians it says into... uh, discouragement. That's in Colossians 3.21. Colossians 3.21 says, fathers, do not provoke your children unless they become discouraged. And so as fathers, you guys, it is so hard. The other day, Ava was helping me out with their, their tree palace, and it was so hard. I'm just like trying not to be frustrated because that's just when I want to get something done and when the board's trying to fall on my head and these stupid screws won't go into the wall... Us men, it's like whoever's there is going to get the wrath. <laughs> and it's so hard to be, be, be careful not to do that and not to drive her into discouragement because she was doing an awesome job. She was doing exactly what I needed her to do. It's just everything else around me was not doing what I wanted her to do. And so being careful as fathers that, you know what, maybe the kid doesn't understand something that needs to be done that way because guess what? They haven't been in construction for 15 years like you or 20 years. They don't get it. It's okay. And so you got to be careful in how you speak to them. Don't get them discouraged. And the things that they're into, the new music they're into. Careful that you don't discourage your children. I mean, be careful in what they're listening to, of course, and however you got it in your family. Be careful what's coming into their, their house. But if it's like some dubstep, hey, that's the new music. You know, you don't have to hate it and be like, oh my gosh, and tease them every time they have it on and talk about how stupid their music is. And that's somewhere parents go, somewhere dads go. That brings discouragement on the child. And it ends up where they get this wrath and they can't stand their parents because their parents hate everything they're into. And so being careful and watching as fathers that we really take care of our children too. Get interested in the things that they do. I mean, that'll also help you in saying, no, this, this isn't right. I mean, do you think Jesus would want this? Is this a good thing that's drawing you closer to him? If not, you know, what's your decision? Would you want it out? And then you get to talk with them and it's a better relationship than driving them crazy into wrath. Tickling is Okay. <laughs> Maybe not till they cry, but <laughs> I've never done. Anyways, number five, real quick, because we only have four minutes. Verse five, bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart as to Christ. Another one of those as to's, as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers. That means not doing it just when other people are looking. 
And you guys can apply this to your work field because we don't really have masters and slaves now, right? And in this essence, when it was back then, it, well, so they had masters, the bond servants and the masters. And so nowadays, this completely can apply to bosses and employees. And so just look at that when you go through it. Don't do it with eye service. Just when the boss is around, you're pleasing him as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ. Act like you're serving the Lord. When you're doing things, it's going to go back to, hey, would, you know, I'm going to do this for him. Doing the will of God from the heart. What a hard thing, isn't it? Out there in the work field and making sure that we're doing what we're doing is unto the Lord and it's by our heart, not just trying to be seen by men. In verse 7, with the goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. Isn't that neat? Like your paycheck isn't just here on the earth. You guys are going to get more when you get to see him. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. <laughs> I think that's pretty neat. As it's given us a promise, it's given us some more motivation of, guys, God sees us. Even though you might not think that he sees what's going on, he does. He sees your hard work. Be encouraged by that. And verse 9, and, and you masters, you bosses, you masters, do the same thing to them, giving up, threatening knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. And being careful on how you're treating those employees. And you guys know that over in Galatians it says there is no longer a free man or a slave, right? It's all the same deal. There's no longer man or woman, Jew or Greek, right? Under salvation, it's all equal. And so getting to see that. But we still have this aspect, these things that we deal with daily, our families, kids with your parents, <clears throat> how that goes, how we treat each other. And then it goes into that workplace and making sure that we're doing things unto the Lord. We're not just trying to get the boss to see so we can get a raise or whatever. And then it's so cool because even if he isn't seeing it, the boss, or you're getting treated wrongly, it says that God sees you're good, and you know what? He's going to give it back to you and having those promises that he's given. So I hope you guys are encouraged just to follow what he's got in the scriptures for you. And what he's showing us is here's what it looks like to have Jesus in the home. And it is a good thing. So, Lord, we do want to have you in our homes we want to follow what you've given us, Lord, and I, uh, I don't think I hit that point enough in what you told us in verse 18, that it's being filled by the Spirit that we are able to do this, Lord, that it's through Him and it's that control that you have over us. And so, Lord, we ask that you would help us to submit to your authority, to submit to that being filled in your Spirit, Lord, that we can accomplish what you've asked us to, and Lord, that we can encourage those around us, especially those that are in the world of of just where our happiness comes from. It's not by following a bunch of rules, but it's by following you and how you change our lives and how you change our marriages and our families, Lord. And we just seek after you. We want to be after your, your way, Lord. And um, we thank you. We thank you so much for giving us the things you do and the power that you've given us to complete this. So I just pray for these homes, Lord, that you would protect them. And uh, Lord, that we would just treat each other like you're asking us to here in these scriptures. And we love you and thank you for tonight. Amen.